0: The Sunday Sermons Podcast. Do you guys ever get Amber, Amber alerts on your phone? Anybody, anybody get those? That, that always, that's always a cause to prayer. It's always something that kind of wow, it just kind of wakes you up that that stuff happens. Uh, that's a really cool idea. I, I like it. But there's something about knowing that that kind of stuff happens knowing that that's a danger, knowing that kids getting kidnapped can happen in the world today. It's a whole other thing to know it's happening right that minute. And we need to pray and we need to keep our eyes out for that specific car. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? That, that's, that's why it's called an alert. Today we're talking about some of the stories that Jesus told about how to stay alert and waiting for his return. And that's, that's really what it's about. It's not about just knowing that he will return or believing somehow deep down that that's probably going to happen. But to actually be alert, to actually be watching for it, fighting for it, working toward it, praying for it, living every moment in expectation that this is actually going to happen. Would you say this out loud with me? Kind of say it to each other. Say it to me. But this is, this is what we need to do together right now. Keep preparing for Christ's return. One more time. Keep preparing for Christ's return. It's no no surprise at all that Jesus is coming back. He made that so clear. His disciples made it clear. The early church, as the New Testament was being completed, made it so clear. They lived in anticipation of this happening. But it's equally clear that the timing of his return is going to surprise us all. Even the faithful. Jesus even said something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But he said it himself, so it's got to be true. He said he doesn't even know when he's coming back. Only the Father. There's some really cool stuff about Galilean weddings and stuff that we learned recently that I think is a clue of how that works. But at the same time, even Jesus is going to be surprised by the timing somehow. So there's no way that we can ever just stop being alert. There's no way that we can just kind of cruise or, oh, it's going to be a while. It's been a while. It's, it's probably going to be a while longer. We've got to live in expectation We've got to stay alert. We've got to relentlessly keep doing what he asked us to do. And here's the thing. When Jesus, or anybody else for that matter, has ever done something really great in the past, one of the easiest things for us to fall back into is just kind of remembering the past. Uh, uh, Kind of They used to call it resting on your laurels. I I may be dating myself. I don't know if that phrase is even a phrase anymore. But you used to, you you just kind of, you remember the good old days. Uh, again, dating myself here, remember Bruce Springsteen's song, you know, where he's talking about uh, glory days, you know. Glory days, yeah, they pass you by. Okay, good, a couple other people. That's a tendency that we have. We have it in the church. We have it all the time. We, we remember times when it was great. And instead of trying to stay great or get even better, we go, you remember that one time I was great? And and the sad thing is that's what we do even with Jesus. Is he did so much 2,000 years ago that sometimes we just get excited about that. And that's all we get excited about is what he did, what he provided back then. But he's still alive, y'all. And he's coming back. And he's still interacting with us. He's still leading us. He's still actively trying to take us somewhere. He's still actively depending on us to get things ready for his return. And that's where our focus has to be. Stacey Eldridge, um, who's an author and a speaker, uh, happens to also be the wife of John Eldridge, who's one of my very favorite authors and speakers. She says um, regarding this idea, she says, we don't have to pretend... That life is better than it is. We don't hurt that we don't hurt as much as we do, or that we feel happy when we are not. Here's what we do have in Jesus we are invited to be fully alive, awake, alert, and oriented to the truth, and to know that because of Jesus, we can be defiantly joyful. Isn't that cool? I just love that. And that's the kind of spirit that Jesus describes in the people that live in this kingdom that he told stories about. He was always telling us stories about this kingdom. And sometimes he even interpreted them. A couple of these that we're looking at today are those ones. There's always layers of truth. But we always get to start when Jesus says, and here's what this means. Or if the author remembers that this is why he told that. And it just says, Jesus told us this story so that we would know this. we got to start there. And then we we can build the deeper stuff on that. Well, he's talking about his return in this one, Mark 13. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. In other words, he's talking about his own return here, if you haven't figured this out. Now here's the story. When this man went on a long trip, when he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. He told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch. This is still Jesus talking. He's talking directly to us. He jumps straight to the moral of the story. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. It tells a very similar version of this story in Matthew 24. He says a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job... There will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. Let's just pause for just a second. Sometimes we get hung up on some of the details in these stories. And again, I encourage you, dig deep. Never assume you know the whole thing. Never never assume you understand all the details. Never skip the details. That's important. But sometimes we derail a little bit. And this is one of those spots where he says that he's going to put the servant in charge of all he owns. Some people read that story and they go, so what is God going to put me in charge of in heaven? I'm not sure that's what that's talking about. Maybe. But the point of this story, again, Jesus clearly is talking about being the kind of servants that stay at the job we know is our job until he returns. Do you see that? The point is not, here's what you're going to get to do in heaven. The point of the story is, here's what you need to relentlessly stay doing until then. And the rest is the story. and Maybe it means more stuff. I'm not going to say it doesn't. I'm just saying, don't forget the point Jesus was making. He continues. But what if that sermon is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. The master will return Unannounced. And unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, maybe all of that describes hell. Maybe it doesn't. He's telling a story about a servant. And back then, one of the things that would happen if they were punishing somebody for a terrible crime is they would literally tie a rope around the middle of them and have horses pull it till it cut them in half. That's what that cutting in pieces happened. But once that happened, you're already dead, right? But this guy, he not only is cut into pieces, he's also assigned a place with the hypocrites. And he's also weeping and gnashing his teeth. I remember when my boys were little one time, they, they got angry. I won't say which one was which, but they were yelling at each other. And the other one says, I'm going to kill you and kill you and kill you until you can't even remember you existed. <laughs> they were very small. He didn't follow through. But that's almost what this sounds like to me. That's what this sounds like. He's going to cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and put him somewhere where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds like hell, and maybe it is. But the point is, it's not going to go well for the servant who is not relentlessly staying prepared. That's the point of this story. Is everybody tracking with me? Do we get this? You don't want to be that servant that's not prepared that got distracted, that was doing all the wrong stuff, and then the master came home. You don't want to be that guy. That's the point of this story, whatever other stuff there may be. Chuck Yeager, uh, one of the bravest people ever, he was a brigadier general by the end, and he was uh, the first person to break the sound barrier, among other things, if you didn't know. He said this, I was always afraid of dying, always, always. It was my fear that made me learn everything I could about my airplane and my emergency equipment and kept me flying respectful of my machine and always alert in the cockpit. That's pretty insightful coming from somebody who's known for their bravery, isn't it? He was alert. You don't be the first to break the sound barrier and just be goofing around sipping coffee in your airplane. You know what I'm saying? You've got to be ready. But once again... One more time. The point that we're trying to make here, the point of several of these stories Jesus told, not only these two, but even more, that not only these ones is keep preparing for Christ's return. Never stop. Never stop expecting it. Never stop doing the things that he told us to do. And that means that we also need to do this. Say it with me if you would, just these five words. Fully commit to Christ's vision. One more time. Fully commit To Christ's vision. See, a lot of times we get it backwards, especially here in America. And we think Jesus' big dream was to make our dreams come true. We, We talk about, I need a little Jesus in my life. I need to get back in church. I need to get a little bit of God back into my heart. That's not how it works. Jesus never once offered to fit himself into our lives. Jesus never once offered to make all of our dreams come true, whatever those dreams may be. Jesus consistently called us to sacrifice our own lives, to give up everything and follow him. He did this literally when he was choosing disciples and walking around. He did this metaphorically. He he straight up said it to thousands of people that this was relentlessly his message. No, no, no. I'm not here to make all your dreams come true. You're here to build my kingdom. That's how it works. When we fully connect to him and we make his vision our own, he lives through us. His Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He produces the fruit in us that he's asked us to produce in the world. We all work together. We get to be part of this huge holy team that just is amazingly it's just off the charts how amazing this opportunity is. But that's what it is. That's the opportunity Jesus offers. Not just trying to bless whatever we decide to invite him into on our own. In Matthew 15. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Let me pause for just a second. This is, uh, he's talking to the Pharisees here. And again, we've, we've kind of, they keep popping up into these stories. A lot of these stories Jesus told, actually, we're kind of directed right at them. We're kind of like almost picking a fight with them or just kind of digging something into them. Because these people had found their whole identity, their whole idea of holiness, their whole idea of what it means to be a godly person by all the things that they didn't do, by how strictly they kept all the rules that, that were about not doing things and what you can't eat what you can't drink what you can't do or say and Jesus relentlessly kept turning the tables on them and saying every possible way he could you really shouldn't do those things thank you but what I really want is for you to do these things you're ignoring the poor around you. You're ignoring the sick. You're not taking care of people. There's injustice happening and you turn a blind eye and you think I'm really excited because you're, you're dividing your spices and your medicine cabinet into 10 spots and giving a 10th in the offering at church. That's not what I want. I want you to do good in this world. I want you to build my kingdom. So they have these rules about what goes into you will, you will defile you. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. That's actually not how it works. What, what, you know what defiles you in God's eyes is what comes out of you. What comes out of your heart. The stuff that you've allowed to go in there and percolate. And then in moments of stress and, 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 and just how you choose to spend your time every day. This is what comes out. That's what defiles you. If what's coming out of you is not godly, that's what makes you defiled in God's eyes. What goes into someone's mouth is not defile what comes out of the mouth. That is what defiles them. The disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Isn't that great? I sometimes wonder what Jesus' reaction to some of their questions might have been. He had to just look at them like, are, are, are you serious right now? I mean, here's a picture that kind of looks like this. This is the look I think Jesus gives them sometimes. (laughs) Really? Yes, I know I offended the Pharisees. That was kind of the point, Peter. Yes, I know that. He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Listen how clear he makes this message. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Can we get that picture up there again? <laughs> that was actually pretty clear. <laughs> if a blind person tries to lead another blind person, no offense against people who have vision problems. That's not the, what Jesus is doing here. Is being He's saying... If, if the person guiding you can't see any better than you can, it's not going to go well for you. You understand? He's not making fun of anybody. He's saying that you need somebody who knows the way to be your guide. Those guys don't know the way. Don't follow them anymore. Follow me instead. He makes it just so clear. Here, 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 here's his words. Matthew 15, continue. Just let's leave that picture up. Just leave that picture up if you don't mind. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and those defile them. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Again, you look at all of Jesus' teachings. You, you look at how he broke stuff down. Uh, he was always talking about bearing fruit, building on a firm foundation so that when bad things happen, it doesn't all fall apart. He was talking about that good trees bear good fruit. That's how you know they're a good tree. Bad trees bear bad fruit. That's how you know they're a bad tree. He talked about he is the vine. We are the branches. When we are all connected to him, and working, growing the same fruit because we're all connected to the same trunk. Great stuff happens. Whenever any of us disconnect, that's when the fruit stops growing. That's when we stop growing. That's when we start dying. That's when the whole plan starts falling apart. Tolkien and the other people in his group called the Inklings, they did such a great job of staying connected, not only to God, but to each other. And that's how it works. That's one of the reasons why, as, as this, you're going to keep hearing this over and over, and we're literally asking every one of you this year to somehow commit not only to coming to the big group stuff, but to at least one smaller group thing. We need Connection. We need connection. We don't need a Sunday night service, a Wednesday night service, or whatever specific way to do it. But we need that. That's how God designed us to be part of the big group and also part of smaller groups that hold each other accountable. That, that, that lead each other as we all follow Jesus together. We need those things. It, we tell stories to each other and we live the story that Jesus has called us to live together. We do this in smaller groups. We do it in families, and we do it as one big church. John 15, this is again part of that big passage where Jesus is talking about it. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And all this one more time to say, just say these two words with me if you will. Stay alert. One more time. Stay alert. It's so easy to forget what's happening. It's so easy to, to, when you're not alert, it's so easy to get lulled into thinking nothing is happening. Nothing could happen. God's not doing anything anymore. People, there's nothing for us to do. Everything's already done. Everything's good. We all know better deep down inside, but if we're not alert, it's easy to get lulled into that, isn't it? Nobody really needs me. I, 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 I don't really need to invest today. I, I, I got time. And that's the opposite of how Jesus has called us to live. The stories that Jesus told focus. Listen, this is so important. They always focus, all the parables, focus on what to do now. They tell us about the past. They tell us about the future. But they always talk about what we're supposed to do now. The moral of the story Is always rooted in, therefore, something we do right here, right now. We've got to remember that. The entrepreneur Mark Ostrovsky, I believe is how you say his name, says opportunities present themselves every day to everyone. You just have to be alert and ready to act. Among several other reasons, that's why he's a multi-multi-millionaire and most of the rest of us are not. In the Lord of the Rings, there's actually two characters I'd like to highlight today talking about this idea of alertness. And um, I love how Tolkien worked this story in and how clearly it comes out through not only the books but through the movies. One of the characters was the king, King Theoden. We kind of mentioned him a couple weeks ago. But Theoden, when you first meet him, is kind of this creepy, ghostly-looking character. But he had become so lost in the bad advice and kind of the the, almost a magical enchantment that his advisor had put over him. That he he had aged way beyond his years. He was just he was still sitting on the throne, but he was not ruling. He had stopped being a king completely. He was basically just a, a barely conscious puppet for his evil advisor. But then Gandalf shows up and Gandalf Not only frees him, but invites him to help them fight this war. To win back the world and make things good again. And King Theoden becomes King Theoden again. He becomes better than he ever was before because he was set free and given a responsibility. And it's no accident that that is written that way. Because that's exactly what Jesus does for us. He calls us out of whatever has lulled us into our whatever we have been lulled into. And he wakes us up. He restores us. And he gives us a job. And we have to be alert and keep doing that job. This is what we all have to do for each other. Because, listen, we all have within us the ability to stay alert and the ability to just fall asleep at our post. We all have the ability to wake everybody else up when necessary. We all have the ability to say, hey, I'll help if somebody asks me. Or to say, I'm going to answer that call right now. We all could be any of these characters. That's why we need each other. That's why we need the whole group. That's why we need the smaller groups. That's why we need Jesus. Because we all need to be preparing In Matthew 24, Jesus talks about the end. He gives us a lot of warning signs. He tells us how to prepare. In Matthew 25, he tells us three stories about staying alert. We're going to revisit these later, but just real quickly, I think you've heard these stories before. I just want to remind you again, this is the main point Jesus is making with these. We'll come back again in a week or two and unpack them a little bit more. But listen to this. This, There's three stories Jesus tells about how to get ready for his return. One is about ten virgins getting ready for a wedding. and Sometimes we do rail into who are the virgins and what kind of a wedding is it and why are they outside and what's the oil represent. And all those are really good questions. But the point of this story was the good virgins, the good bridesmaids, they were relentlessly expecting the bridegroom. Somebody, do you understand what I'm telling you? It, 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 yes, we need to know what the oil is. We need to know what the lamps are. We need to ask all those questions. But the point Jesus is making is they knew they had a job. They didn't know when the bridegroom was coming. They relentlessly stayed prepared. They did what it took so that whatever, however long it took, whenever he showed up, they would be ready. The bad ones did not. And whatever else that means... That's the heart of this story. Same with the next story, he told the same thing. This is where we get the English word "talent." It's actually a, a unit of money in Jesus' day, but we we talk about using our talents for God. It's because of this story, but it just meant money back then. It, it, he, yes, it applies to us using our talents. The abilities, the opportunities, the skills that God gives us. Of course it applies to that. But if you really just look at the story, and especially in context, it's the same day Jesus is talking about his return. And the good servants relentlessly expected the return of their master. Yes, it applies to all those other things, and probably some others that I'll never find because these are deep stories. But the simple, basic truth Jesus was telling us is, You've got to stay relentlessly preparing for my return. You don't know when I'm coming back, and I do expect results. I do expect a return on my investment. I expect you to be doing something while I'm gone. Same with the last story, the sheep and the goats. I'm sure you've all heard this one as well. And I think it's really interesting to study what sheep are like and what goats are like, characteristic wise and there's a lot of deep cool stuff but the bottom line is this the sheep were doing what he wanted them to do and when the shepherd shows up he's like hey good job and the goats were not doing what he told them to do and when he showed up he was not okay with that we've got to be relentlessly prepared We've got to be relentlessly following our shepherd's leading. The sheep in this story had no idea really what was going on. They didn't even get how good they were doing. They didn't even understand how well that they were that he was pleased. But they were there. They were doing it because they were doing what he asked them to do. And they were rewarded for it. As we wrap up this morning, I'm asking you once again to make a choice in the direction of Jesus, in the direction of these stories he told us, in the direction of these ideas, these commands that come from him. Please join me and together let's keep preparing for Christ's return. Keep relentlessly preparing for Christ's return. We've got to make sure no matter how committed we were in the past, How committed our family were, how committed this church was. That right here, right now, and tomorrow, and the day after that, and every day until Jesus comes up, that we are fully committed to Christ's vision. We're not just trying to pray and ask him to to boost our vision. We're committed to his. And we've got to stay alert. We've got to be relentlessly expecting. His return. We've got to be relentlessly loving people the way he told us to love, relentlessly going about the business he told us to be about. Because listen, again, we know he's coming back, but we don't know when. We've got to be ready. Are you ready this morning? Hopefully, this isn't your only chance, but you got another chance right now to make sure. I don't know what God's telling you to do in your heart. Maybe somebody in this room has never given their life to Jesus before, never gotten baptized. Maybe you'd like to join our church. Maybe you'd like to commit your life to overseas missions this morning. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I'm going to give you a chance to do it. Would you stand? Let's all sing. Let's all commit to God. If it needs to be public, please be bold and make it public this morning.